to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation, so we can grow in our relationship with God. And tonight, the parable of the prodigal son that we're going to talk about, we're going to be talking about the lost. We'll be in uh, Luke chapter 15, uh, verses 11 to 32. But the chapter starts off with Jesus talking to sinners in the street and eating with tax collectors. And the Pharisees, you know, couldn't stand that. They despised Jesus for doing that. So Jesus started to talk, uh, tell these parables beginning in the chapter. And one of the parables, the first parable that he talked about was the parable of the lost sheep. Another parable is the parable of the lost coin. Tonight we're going to do the parable of the prodigal son, which talks about a lost person. So just to set up the story, uh, there's a father that has two sons, and one son demands all his inheritance. And we're going to watch a video and and show what happens. A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there, wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land and he began to be in want and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine and he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat and no man gave to him When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? I will go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came unto his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven 
and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his eldest son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked him what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come. And thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry. And would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he, answering his father, said, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me. And all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this, thy brother was dead and is alive and was lost and is found. Okay, the prodigal son is a, it's a very famous parable. I think a lot of you know about it, probably read about it. Um, the word prodigal, right, we've seen a lot of times in the movies. I think there's a TV show, The Prodigal Son, and we always picture prodigal meaning someone that's going away and returns and comes back. But originally, prodigal meant someone that squandered his money someone that uh, just took his money and did what he wanted with it. But uh, as we begin to read the chapter, we're going to start at uh, verse 11, chapter 15. He said, Then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to the father, Father, give me that portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. It's interesting to see that the father just didn't give him an argument, but just gave him his livelihood, all that he saved. 
know, and the picture of the Father when Jesus is speaking to his disciples and the people around him is a picture of God. Jesus' son is talking about the human father and his son is really a picture of, of God and God's heart. So it's interesting that he just gives him what he wants. You know, the son is very arrogant. He says, I want my inheritance, give it to me. And notice that it says in verse 13, and not many days after the youngest son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country. Sometimes you got to wonder why Jesus does what he does, why God allows us to have our own will. And there's a couple of reasons for that. You know, uh, when you read in the Bible that God created us in his own image, I don't think you believe that he created us because we look like him. He gave us certain elements right, to make up our character. One of, some of those elements that reflect him is free will. So he gives us free will to make a decision what we wanted to do. You know, sometimes I don't know about that. You know, there's a lot of things I did in my life that I wish God would have stopped me from doing. You know, why does he allow us to do that? You know, um, my grandson, who's been in trouble for the last year and a half, I would say, I used to talk to him and tell him what he was doing was wrong. And I used to convince him about a few things. But God knows that when we set out to do what we want to do, we just don't decide in one day. We have this thing stirring in our heart for a long time. And if it's in your heart to do that, God's going to allow you to do that. You know, I could talk to my grandson, tell him blue in my face, but I can't change his heart. Just like you couldn't change anybody else's heart from doing what they wanted to do. So God knows that, and God knows that when we allow ourselves to do what we want to do, most of the time it doesn't end up well. So God's purpose there is to let us do and find out ourselves what the consequences are from our actions. And so what the, what the son does is he, he grabs his money and he grabs his, his, his clothes and everything, and he goes off and he journeys out to a far country and there he wastes his possessions with a, uh, a prodigal living. So, why did Jesus tell, say he went journey to a far country? He could have said he just went to the next town in Israel or the next city. But he, he specifically said he journeyed to a far country. That's why the son traveled, because he didn't want to be under the... the, the to everybody looking at him and judging him doing what he wants to do. He wanted to do himself. He didn't want to be, have to go by the law, do what he wanted to do. He didn't want people to stop him. So he journeyed away. It's almost sometimes like when we backslide. Right? When we backslide, we stay away from Christians. We stop going to church. Right? We stop reading the Bible. We stay away from our Christian friends. You know, staying in the dark is what happens to us. We don't want to look at our personal condition. You ever get dressed in the dark? Right? You, you, know, you get dressed in the dark, and you put on your pants, your socks, your shoes, and then you go to work and you're in the light. And then when you're in the light, you look down at work and say, oh my goodness, I got two different colors socks. 
I got my old pants that I use in, gar- in, in my gardening and, and my shirt ripped, right? We see it because now we're in the light. But we didn't see that before because we were in the dark. We didn't want to look at our own personal condition. Picking up at verse 14, but when he had spent all there was, all there was, there arose a severe famine in the, in the land, and he began to want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. So the young man falls in hard times. He's reduced, he's reduced to nothing. He has to go and work in a pig pen. And for a young Jewish guy working in a pig pen, that's a big deal because they know pigs are unclean to them. And working in a pig pen is really degrading. So he ends up in a degrading with no money. All right. His friends run away from him because it says in verse 16, no one gave him anything. The friends that he partied with and spent all his money on, there's nowhere to be found. And that's another thing about picking friends. You know? As Christians, we should be careful who our friends are. You know, sometimes we have friends that call themselves Christians, but they really drag ourselves into the world again. And we really should be particular about who we pick as friends. And if we feel ourselves that we're being dragged into the world, then we ought to think twice of who we're associating with. But here he is in a pig, in a pig pen, and wanting, doesn't know what to do. And the picture of him in a pig pen, and, and verse 14 it says, and he rose a severe famine, doesn't necessarily mean food, but a spiritual famine. And when that happens, when you have a spiritual famine, then it, it turns into a picture of slavery, a picture of slavery of sin. Right. You give up your freedom when you're farther away, you, you go from Christ. Father, the more you go into sin, the more you become a slave of sin. And there's another word that we use uh, than slavery, is that addiction. Addiction is bad. You can be addicted to a lot of things. You can be addicted to drugs. You can be addicted to sex. You can be addicted to gambling. You can be addicted to money and addicted even to politics. Addiction is a bad thing. And if it makes you a slave to that, sin, to that addiction, you're in the wrong place. If you look at John verse 3, 20, it says, For everyone practicing evil hates the light. It does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Also in John 8, verse 34, it says, Jesus answered them, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Sin will drag you down wherever you go. Sin is, is the root of you separating yourself from God. Looking at verse 17, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's eyed servants have prepared enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will raise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your servants. I want to go back and look at 
in the beginning of verse 17 when it says, but when he came to himself, when you start to realize you're, you're in your misery and you hit rock bottom, you wake up to reality. And it says here that he came to himself. And it's, he said to himself, now I want to return to my father. In verse 18, I will rise and go to my father. But what's interesting to me, what he didn't say, you know, he didn't turn to himself and say, you know what, I'm going to fix up this pig pen. I'm going to make this pig pen better because I got myself into this and I'm going to get myself out of it. A lot of times we have that attitude, right? That we think we can work, fix it ourselves. That we can get ourselves into situations and don't worry, I can do this myself. The world teaches us that, right? We see these self-help things on, on TV. You, know, you say, oh, you can do it yourself. I'll tell you how you can make this pig pen smell great. Let me tell you, there's no way you're going to make a pig pen smell great. And I remember when I was a kid, uh, we traveled to Jersey, and I had to go to the Port Authority building. I think I was eight years old, something like that. But at that time, any of you know New York, or, or come from New York, there was a slaughterhouse on 10th Avenue, right? And the bus had to go around this ramp past this slaughterhouse. And every time we passed the slaughterhouse, there was this terrible stench. I had to hold my nose the whole way into the tunnel, really. So, you know, this pig pen, the degrading feeling that this man must have had working in the pig pen was terrible. Right? So he says, I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one like your, one of your servants. If there's anything that we should do first, that when we walk away, is before we go back to church, before we, we read the Bible, is to go to the Father, go to Jesus. Because that's the only way we're going to be free. Because the only person that is really, truly free is Jesus Christ, is God himself. And the only way we're going to go back is first is to go back to the Father first. That's why when we get tempted in, in the world, in our daily life, you know, and things tempt me, I say, focus on Jesus. You know, I put those blinders on, and my focus is on Jesus. And that's the only way that I know I can resist temptation. So the focus is always on the Father. Go back to the Father before you do anything else. And this is what the Son did. It's in verse 18, I arise and go to my Father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He'll even go back and be a servant. That's how, forgive, he, how much he wanted forgiveness. You know, and he didn't go back crying. He didn't go back and say, oh, these guys, they made me work in the pig pen. I had to work there all day. I got all dirt and mud all over me. You know, he didn't go back crying. He, he, he went back saying, please take me back. Father, I have sinned against heaven and, and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Being free is being free of slavery. You know, you can be a slave to God, and that's a good thing. Being a slave to sin is not.
when you're free of sin, sin won't encompass your life. If you look at Romans 6, 6, 7, 6 to 7, it says, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, the body of sin might be done away with, that we would no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. A little more down in the chapter, it says, Romans 6, 17 to 18, it says, But God be thanked that through you, through you were slaves, though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of the doctrine to which you were delivered. Now, having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Slaves of righteousness. You can be a slave of God, good thing. Not being a slave of sin is a, is a, bad, is, is a bad thing. Slave of righteousness is what you want to be if you're going to end up being a slave. Okay, go to verse 20. And he arose and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. He ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. That's pretty good for the father, because he probably smelled like a pig. But he was willing to throw himself around his neck and kiss his neck and greet him as he was coming home. He must have been watching for him because he must have been watching for him every day to see him come from afar. What Jesus was trying to say here was trying to tell us the heart of God, that the heart of God is willing to take you back, is that he's always waiting for you. He doesn't separate from us. We separate from him. And he's always there willing to take you back. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. A lot of Christians probably think that. They're not worthy when they separate themselves from God. You know, I remember when I first became a Christian, I had a hard, trouble, I had a hard time with that. I had trouble with that. that. How can I be worthy with all the things that I did? How can I be worthy to have, have Jesus forgive me? And I came, to the, I came to Christ in his church. I remember sitting in his first pew right here talking to the pastor to one o'clock in the morning to make me understand how I could be so worthy that Jesus Christ would forgive me for all the things I have done. And a lot of Christians feel like that sometimes. But the Father is forgiving and he's willing to take you back. In verse 22, it says, But the Father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it, put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For my son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they began to be merry. So the father wanted to have a big party. He wanted to rejoice for his son coming back. Just like it says in the Bible, the angels rejoice when someone comes to the Lord. But he says his son was dead and is alive again. Did he mean physically dead? I think the, I, not so. I, he meant that he was spiritually dead and he came alive again. If we look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, it says this. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked accordingly to the, to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, who was Satan, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, 
fulfilling the desires of the flesh of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. So we also were dead, but we came alive when we came and gave us all our life to Jesus, to follow Jesus. Verse 25. Now his oldest son was in the field, and he came and drew up near to the house. He heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come home, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a, a young goat that I might be, be married with you and my friends. But as soon as your son comes home, who has devoured you his livelihood and laid with prostitutes and harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. So the older brothers is really mad. You know, there was a there was a time before I came to Christ that I would if I read this I would say, oh he's right. Yeah, he should be really mad. Look, you know, look he was faithful. He did everything that he had to do with his father. He he fed the he went in the fields, fed the calves, fed the cows, did what he was supposed to. Why why didn't he why didn't he get credit for what he did? But after becoming a Christian and reading the Bible, is that my attitude back then was only because of pride and selfishness. And the, big, and the older brother was an example of the Pharisees with their pride and selfishness that anybody else lower than them couldn't, be, couldn't enter heaven, couldn't be close to God, couldn't be forgiven. But it was our own pride and selfishness. When you stand there and say, what about me? Why, how about me? I've, I've, I've been faithful to you. I've, I've come to church. I've, I've, I've done what I had to do. I'm in ministry. What about me? When you feel like that, we have a problem. And we really should search ourselves because this really shows the heart of God towards sinners to return to God. The older brother was, was full of pride, pride of the self-life. You know, Christians can be that way sometimes. You know, um, you, about a year ago, you know, the, uh, the rap singer Conway West, you know, he came that he was uh, supposed to be a born-again Christian again. And the Christian community really condemned him, right? Saying, how could that be? All the raunchy music that he played, you know, how could that be? We don't know somebody's heart. You know, if we're going to start looking at people and start condemning then we should look at the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul murdered Christians, right? He was there when he, they killed Stephen. He was one of the people in the crowd that says, kill him! Kill him, right? What did Christians look at of the Apostle Paul back then? Skepticism, right? Who did it take? It took Barnabas, right, to prove to the disciples 
there that fast the poor was the real deal, right? Jesus changes lives. He transforms people. If we stop believing as Christians that Jesus can't do that to the worst people, then we go back to where we were before we came to Christ. We have to know that Jesus transforms people. And we should always, always look at it. If we don't, then we're in trouble. So, verse 31. And he said to him, Son, you always with me, and you always will have yours. It is right that we should make merry and be glad. Your brother was dead, and he's alive. Again, he was lost, and he was found. Prodigal son was looking to return as a servant, but he returned as a son. He restored himself through Jesus Christ as a son again, just like we restore ourselves as as children. And that not only that we restore ourselves as children, we restore ourselves as heirs to Jesus Christ. Think about that. We are heirs to Jesus Christ. Let me go to Romans 8, 8, 15 to 17, and then we're going to close. And I'll just read what Paul writes. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and of children then heirs heirs of God, and jointly heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Heirs of Christ, restored as children as heirs. How gracious is our God. How great is our God. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org Thanks for listening and may God bless.